0: Good evening, everyone. Ah, from time to time, some of the scriptures are hard, not on you guys, on the preacher, <laughs> especially for the one who knows such mercy. My friends, the first reading talks about uh, Moses and the people have sinned grievously against God, and Moses goes on their behalf and pleads with the Lord. And the Lord pardons their transgressions. And only a handful, as we know, of the original people of the Exodus would enter into that promised land. However, God did not destroy them. Yes, they wandered 40 years in the desert. And they would die, as we would say in our vernacular, of natural causes old age. Paul, in our second reading, testifies to the, the Lord's mercy and his love and his grace, having repented and converted, being a former persecutor and murderer of Jesus' followers. Being forgiven, he goes about preaching the good news, and at the same time, he makes reparation. We did not want to talk about that with Paul, but he makes reparation. And it's with joy. Uh, that he does so for the harm that he had done. My friends, in our gospel, three parables are put forth to us. And um, I want to quickly move through the first two and focus on the last one. Uh, But to put it in its perspective, um, the Pharisees and scribes are fighting with Jesus. He's just had a fight with them. And you should know uh, that the Pharisees and scribes, they had a saying back then. As history tells us, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is destroyed by God. This is why Jesus says, and re, he refuted that, and he said, There will be joy in heaven to them. We've all heard these parables, and I want to tell you the lost sheep. Jesus is so clever. You see, he speaks to the heart of everyone who's near him. He understands uh, the gender differences of the men and the women and how they would understand things differently. So he first talks to the men. He says, what shepherd would not go after that sheep? And he knows that the men, this, belong, this is their job. This is what they do. So they would understand. They would empathize with the plight of the shepherd. Wow, man. And they would go after that sheep. They knew exactly what such an event and search would entail and mean. They sense at once then what Jesus is trying to tell them, the tremendous love of God for sinners and the lane to which God would go. And they would understand with overwhelming joy themselves to find the sheep. Now the difference is those shepherds would have bragging rights. You should have saw. I had to jump over the hill over there and grab the thing. You see, that's what he said. And he calls his friends and he brags about it. <laughs> God does not brag, but they would understand the meaning that Jesus is putting forth. That's for the men. To the women present, Jesus says, "And what woman?" See what you probably don't know is there's two interpretations about that coin. The first one. It's called a drachma, the coin. And its value is one day's labor of the husband. She's lost it. Her husband is going to be upset. She wants to find it before he comes home. You see, the men automatically, they probably heard the parable and said, silly woman, see? But the woman understands the value That's why she acts the way she does. But there's one that hits even more home. When the woman got married, on her headdress would be coins strung together. To lose one of those, those had great significance and meaning. To lose one would be the equivalent of losing the wedding ring. That is why she acts so foolish because the men would say, Oh, sentimentality and nostalgia and nonsense. But the women know. The woman, they would search for that wedding ring. You see, that represents it. They would do whatever was necessary. You see, immediately the women said, We know what he is talking about. We know the length to which I would go to find that. And now we understand what he's saying about God. You see? More to learn about the parables. All of these speak about the great care and love of God for his people. It tells the great lengths to which our God will go. To keep us safe. Safe from what, Father Mark? From being lost by going astray. In another manner of speaking in theology, speak, being distanced from God by sin. Of the three parables, the prodigal is the one I want to talk to you about because it has the most details. About the sons? No. Yes and no. But about God? Now first, we must understand the great danger of sin. Look past me at the center of the sanctuary, look at the cross. See the sacrifice that God incarnate did for you. In the words of a very famous priest from Michigan, if in a manner of speaking, the sacrifice is the cure, I want you to look at it. If that is the cure, the remedy for sin, and it took Jesus, who is God, to be tortured and brutally treated, how terrible... Must the disease be then? If that is the cure, how horrible is the wound and the disease. And the disease I'm talking about is sin. Two past popes, Pius the Twelfth and John Paul II. Here's what they said about what is the most grievous sin. He said in our time, the most serious sin is the loss of the sense of sin, which implies that people do not think sin exists or they dismiss it as some archaic thing. But sin does exist and it is a disease and it is harmful. It destroys and kills No one will ever realize the seriousness of sin if they do not look upon this cross and realize this is the remedy. This is what had to be done. But at the same time, all of you look on that cross. You will then learn also God's love and the lanes to which he will go for you The forgiveness and the mercy which is unimaginable to us. In this we learn there is forgiveness. We learn that there is a love that is greater than any sin on this earth. And so we have reason no matter what we have done. Or how often you have done it. It is reason to hope no matter how bad it has been. That we can come home to the Father. We can come home to him. This parable is so well known to so many Christians. Often they feel there is nothing of importance for them to learn from it. Well, you must realize the parable of the prodigal son is not just a good story. It is actually a revelation about God. It is our Lord's way of telling us something of immense importance about his Father and yours. What is being revealed is a God who has everything and lacks for nothing. Has immense love for each one of you. This parable is not really about the younger wayward son. It's not really about the bitter older son. This parable was about the father. Jesus was trying to teach us something so important about his father. He is trying to teach us that his father in heaven takes no pleasure in the death of his children or in the death of those who do wicked Our Lord is trying to teach us that compassion and forgiveness and mercy is of God and we cannot even begin to imagine the depths of it. He's trying to teach us that the Father's love for each and every human being is beyond, beyond anything, anything we could imagine or hope for. In the parable, our Lord is teaching us that no matter what, no matter How bad you think you have been, or what you have done, even to another. No matter how bad you have messed up, you can come back to Him, you can return. This is a detail that is overlooked and utterly remarkable about the parable. Jesus is telling us about the Father. He has been watching, he sees his wayward child off in the distance. Having caught sight of him, the father runs to him. Here's what you need to know about that statement. In his culture and time, it is absolutely unheard of for a Jewish man of prominence to run. They move slowly and with great dignity. And they wait for people to come to them. This father, Jesus said, ran to his son. In other words, the father runs to you, not away from you, but to you. Our father runs to get you. In the parable, the father does what in that time and culture was considered belittling, and foolishness to run. It reveals that our Father will do anything and everything to bring us back home again. Why? There is only one answer. Love. Love does foolish things. Ask the newlyweds. (laughs) Ask newlyweds. They'll tell you, oh, my husband is so foolish. But he loves me so much. I suspect they say the same thing 50 years later. Oh, he's been so foolish, but he loves me so much. If someone here feels they have sinned so grievously, or they actually have sinned so grievously, then look to the younger son as the example in the parable. That son says to the father what amounts to nothing short of, you are dead to me Give me what is mine. Or, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my money. And so he takes the inheritance and goes off to a foreign land and squanders it in the most sinful and disgraceful way. And then he becomes destitute. And he works on a farm, not just any farm, a farm feeding pigs. A creature that they can't touch. And they can't touch it because they associate pigs with demons. And the boy is tending to them. There is no thing more disgraceful and deplorable to a Jewish man than that. And look at the way the father receives him. That is our heavenly father that Jesus is talking about. Perhaps some feel like they are in the position of the younger one. Having sinned in the most grievous of ways and believe that God will not forgive them. This parable refutes you. As that is nonsense. The parable really puts forth not to be afraid. The repentant person can always come home. And if anyone feels that they are in the position of the older son, standing in judgment of everyone and anyone, and think that such people should suffer and pay greatly or worse, that those people must earn the father's love and forgiveness, the parable refutes them also. No one earns that. No one earns Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. It was gift from Him. God's love is pure gift. Forgiveness is gift for the one who repents. But real and sincere contrition will always seek to remedy the harm. That has been caused by sin. Love will want to make reparation. Even though God forgives. That's what Paul is getting at. However, his grace is gift and is always poured out upon the one who will receive it. Our Father in heaven is generous in his love and his mercy. Committing sin is turning away from God. John the Baptist proclaimed, Repent. And believe. To repent is to come back to God. and To come back to God is to come home. You call out to the Lord with all your heart. God the Father hears your cry. And Jesus says he will come running to you. Sirach. 1729, how great is the mercy of the Lord and his forgiveness for those who return to him. Second Chronicles 39, if you return to the Lord, you away his face from you, if you but return to him. Amen. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, I know you've listened to a lot, and I'm sorry some things are hard or a preacher, especially one who has known his mercy and his love.